Welcome to Windsor Christian Fellowship Church Podcast. Our church vision is to win generations to Christ, connect them to His master plan, empower them to succeed, and grow the kingdom of God. For other podcast resources or more information about Windsor Christian Fellowship, please visit us at www.wcf.ca. Well, let's go right into the Word today. If you can open your Bibles to the book of Matthew chapter 12. We started a series uh, the last three times I was here on spiritual warfare. And how many know the Bible speaks about be sober, be vigilant for your adversary? How many know you and I have an adversary today? And we have to understand something about the adversary, the things that he operates with, and the tools that he works against your mind and against my mind. How many know the real arena for the adversary is our minds right over here? See, when you got born again and you became alive unto God, how many know God comes and dwells on the inside of you? He lives in your spirit, man. The Bible said, sanctify them holy, your whole spirit, your whole soul, and your whole body. How many know there's areas that are unrenewed that God wants you to renew today, especially the area of your thinking, so you could effectively resist the enemy on every front of attack? So if God's word speaks about something one time, it's good for us to heed it. If it speaks the same story twice, then there's really something in there that God wants us to understand. If he speaks something three times, then how many know there's something in there using three different authors to say the same story? Then how many know we need to just stop? We need to behold what it is that the Lord is saying in there because it's a principle that we have to live by. It's something that we can be engaged in. It's something that's going to have an impact upon my life and an impact upon your life. We're honored to have Corey Stark with us today right over here in the front row. And this weekend, he layered the things over and over that he taught us together uh, in the bigger group. He broke them down into smaller bite-sized pieces. But it was still the same principles. It's the same thing. The harp and bowl, the intercession, the word and prayer together. Uh, then praying the word with the song. And then he hit the whole aspect of intercession. So we heard it, but we activated this weekend and went over and over and over. Why? Because we all learn by repetition. Well, in the book of Matthew, the the Bible says, uh, then one was brought to him who was demon-possessed, blind and mute, and he healed him. And the blind and the mute man both spoke and saw, and all the multitudes were amazed and said, could this be the son of David? And it says, now when the Pharisees heard it, they said, this fellow does not cast out demons except by Beelzebub, the ruler of the demons. But Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. And he said over there even more, Jesus said, and if I cast out, and it says if Satan cast out Satan, he is divided against himself. And how then Will his kingdom stand? Isn't it amazing that Jesus spoke about there's two kingdoms in the earth today? And you're either in one or you're in the other. But how many know God doesn't want you staying in the kingdom of darkness? He took you out of it at 2,000 years ago. He paid the price and he translated you out of the authority, out of the jurisdiction of the kingdom of darkness and brought you into the kingdom of his son. How many know it's a done deal? But many individuals don't understand because you're out of the kingdom, there's still behaviors that we operate in and things that are in our unrenewed area of our mind and the recesses of our soul that the enemy can get a foothold inside of your life and mine. 
And we're going to reveal those things and expose those things today as we talk about this. I understand when it speaks of a kingdom, it speaks of a territory. It speaks of a ruler, somebody over there. So we have to understand there's the government of God that we have in the earth today. And the government of God operates with the fivefold. We understand apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And how many know every one of us have a part to play in the kingdom of God? But we have to understand also there's a government of hell that is also an operation in the earth. There's two families in the earth today. And they are so opposed one to another. In a moment, we're just going to break down all the different characteristics. But what you need to understand is God didn't bring you into his family without giving you all the necessary tools, all the things that you'll ever have need for in this life are already provided for through the cross of Jesus Christ. A lot of people are trying to pray future tense to what God says is already past tense. How many know God has, listen to me, how many know God has already put his glory inside you? God's put a crown already upon your head, a crown of glory and a crown of honor. God's already put faith inside you, in, inside you. It was the fruit of the spirit that's already been deposited. It's already yours. How many know you already have the weapon? The Bible says for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, they're not natural weapons, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And the strongholds are the minds that are set on a belief system that goes contrary to God's word and God's will for your life. But the sad truth that I've learned over these here last 41 years is many believers, they know a lot about the positional truths. They know about them, but they're having a hard time releasing them into the temporal aspect of their lives. And so we're going to give you a contrast for the next couple minutes just on what these here aspects of the kingdom of darkness are and the kingdom of God are. Because if you put them down on a piece of paper and you see them right before your eyes, then you can have an understanding. Now, let me just state this here. How many want to be in the middle of the will of God? Let me ask you another question. Is there anybody here that's been a murmur all week, complained all week, complained about the weather, complained about your finances, complained about the meals, complained about your food, complained about your husband, complained about your wife, complained about your church, complained about the music, complained about something this week? And we don't even realize it, but when we do so, we're activating another kingdom inside of our lives. The Bible says, rejoice always. The Bible says, pray without ceasing. In everything, not for, but in everything. What does he say to do? Come on. Give thanks. Come on. For this is the will of God concerning you in Christ Jesus. We don't even realize that gratitude is the springboard into the very presence of God. It's the springboard. People struggle with the concept that God is good. But the Bible says, listen, enter into his gates with thanksgiving. Why? Because it sanctifies the atmosphere for everything that heaven wants to do and desires in your life. But complaining does everything. It blocks it. And there's a negative mindset that people get in that's often from the way they raised, from their upbringing. And it blocks them from the provision. It blocks them from the peace. It blocks them from the prosperity. It blocks them from their healing. It blocks them from every good thing that heaven wants to impart into their life. And we don't even realize it. So, so look at Satan's kingdom. This is the thinking inside. What does he say, number one? Murmuring in what? Complaining. The children of Israel came out of the promised land. And the Bible said when they came out, there was not one sick one, there was not one feeble one, and not even one weak one amongst them. 
That's what it records over there. So they were totally delivered, totally set free. But how many know they started their murmuring and complaining? And guess what? God had to reveal himself as the covenant name Jehovah, the self-existent one who reveals himself, Rapha, as the healer. Why? Because they put the guard down. They put the heads down that God had already provided for them. And many believers don't understand this. And the enemy operates in unbelief. Remember in Mark chapter 6, Jesus said he could there do no mighty works. Why? Because of their unbelief. It was a mindset that they actually had. And there's people, listen very carefully, the Bible teaches you and I to taste and see or taste and experience that God is good. God is a healer. God is a deliverer. God is one that wants to prosper you. God is one that wants to do good for you. Come on. God is one, listen carefully, that wants to release greater peace. It's inside you, but he wants it to be released inside your life. And so we understand this here, but there's an unbelief. It's a, well, why does God leave me out? I just don't feel like I fit in. And I, I just don't believe. And Jesus said this, because of their unbelief, he was not able to do any mighty works there. In other words, the power was there, it was resident inside, but it couldn't be released because there was a mindset of unbelief, even amongst the religious leaders that got into the people. But see, God wants you and I to operate in faith because he's a faith God. How many know everything that God does in the kingdom that comes into agreement with what he says is all done by faith? The Bible says apart from faith, separate from faith, without faith, it's impossible. Uh, it's, it's impossible to please him. And the word please means to gratify fully or completely, but it also means to come into agreement with everything that heaven is saying and everything is doing. So many through their words and through their actions are nullifying the work of faith inside their life. And then you have people go and say, well, if I could just get more faith. Well, Jesus said, if you have faith, that of a mustard seed, you can say unto the mountain. So faith is activated. Faith is released by the words that you say. But what are the words coming out of your mouth today? Are they words that are bringing life? Are they words that are bringing death to your life? Are they bringing life to your marriage? Are they bringing death to your marriage? Are they bringing life over your children? Are they bringing death over your children? And so you don't understand oftentimes that Jesus said, uh, the, the scriptures teach us that life and death is in what? The power of the tongue. The whole faith life is released. The whole faith life is released by words. There's angels that are on assignment that are waiting to get activated in your life. When Mary consented to the angel Gabriel's word and said, be it done unto me according unto your word, the angel immediately left because he had exactly what it was that he needed to activate that into the earth. So we recognize that there is creative power in this whole faith life. We also recognize that there's obstacles in our life. And there's oftentimes barriers in our life that are of a demonic uh, influence in our life from the kingdom of darkness. And the Bible teaches us that whosoever, it's not just limited to me, but it's to all of us, whosoever shall say unto the mountain, come on, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he what? Come on, say it. So the emphasis, listen, the emphasis was not just on the believing. He mentioned it one time, shall not doubt in his heart. 
But the emphasis was on the saying aspect. And this whole kingdom of God that we are in today is all activated into the spiritual realm by the words that we say because the spiritual realm is more real than the natural realm that we live in. And what we have to understand is there's thoughts that come to my mind and there's thoughts that come to your mind of temptation. Have you ever wondered what the greatest lie of the enemy is? Is to try to hook believers into the area of unforgiveness. Hook believers into the area of bitterness. Hook believers into the area of hurt. Unresolved conflicts. Unresolved unhealed hurts that are the inside of us. And why he hooks you in that area and he tempts you to take his bait. He tempts you to take his lie. He tempts you to take his arsenal. And when you do, you abort the kingdom of heaven in your life. Everybody pray the prayer. Come on. Our Father, which art in. Come on. Say it with me. Y'all know. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is. On where? As it is. So he wants his will in heaven to be done on earth. Literally when it says kingdom of God, when, when Jesus talked about the Sermon on the Mount, and he mentioned that literally means kingdom come now. Righteousness, come now. Breakthrough, come now. Can you all say amen? So he wants what's already happened in heaven in your life. But he goes on and says, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Then he says, give us this day our daily bread. And then he says what? Forgive us our trespasses as what? We forgive those who trespass against us. And then he goes into what? Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now, isn't it amazing, right after he mentions forgiveness, and he comes back down to that in verse 14, right afterwards he says, lead us not into temptation. The tempter's number one bait is to get you offended. The tempter's number one bait is to get you at aught with your brother. And the Bible says if we don't resolve these issues, that our prayers are not going to avail. And Jesus even went on and says, and when you stand praying, forgive if you have ought against anyway. So that ought could be an attitude, that ought can be an action, that ought can be that unresolved conflict inside that's never been resolved, never been initiated with. And guess what happened? That is a block for your answer to prayer. And it's also a manifestation of the kingdom of darkness that God doesn't want you to be a part of. So the enemy is out there to tempt you. He's also there to tempt you into the area of getting you holier than thou. What do I mean by that? It's when you can see other people and you look at them and you be good to judge them according to the flesh. God doesn't look at people the same way that we look at people. Amen. And we know that actions according to what we've learned, actions speak louder than words. But we also understand something. It's not my job to judge and to direct every little person of every little thing that's going on in their life. And Jesus even brings this here. He says, judge not lest you be judged because what's going to happen? It's going to come back, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. With the judgment that you put out, men's going to put it back unto you. So he says, give it out. And this is what you're going to kick back. You're going to get it back pressed down, shaken together. You're going to get it back running over inside of your life. I don't like when people judge me falsely, amen? And I'm sure you don't like people judging you falsely, but sometimes we got to ask ourselves, how are we judging others? And so here's the whole thing. Here's how this whole thing goes. When we start picking out the splinters, the little slivers in our brother's eyes, 
How many know oftentimes we can't even see what's going on in our own eyes? And when people make whole blanket statements over racists, whole blanket statements over judgments, whole blanket statement over politicians, whole blanket statements out there, they set themselves up into the highest authority of God himself. And God says, man, Obadiah said, the pride of your heart has deceived you, and you're on a spiral path on your way down. Amen? Because God didn't give you that authority, but how many know we usurp it? And so what I've learned over there is number one operation of the wicked one is in the area of tempting. So he's tempting us in the areas of our flesh. So he will take the unrenewed areas of our mind and he will use those areas. Remember that the children of Israel came out of Egypt, the Bible says, in one night. And you'll see 611 references to the word Egypt in the scriptures. And you'll see 411 of the 611 says out of Egypt, out of Egypt, out of Egypt. So what does that mean? They still were free on the other side. They still were made new on the other side. But they still had the slave mentality on the inside. And God had to wipe a whole generation out before they can come in. Why? Because slave mentality had bound them up rather than the sonship reality that God has freed us in. And until we rise up into that identity, we'll never slay the giants of the time that we live in. So he comes as the tempter. But the second area that he comes is in the area of deception. What I've learned about deception is if you're, if you're operating in deception, how many know you don't know it? I'll say it again. When you're deceived, how many know you don't know it? Okay, and when we speak of this whole area of deception, it's very, very important that you understand. It means to roam from a place of safety, to roam from a place of truth, or roam from a place of virtue. It literally means to err. Remember what Jesus said, uh, you don't know the scriptures. He said, you do err because you don't know the scriptures nor the power of God. So we can see the tie-in together over there. But it also means to go astray, it means to err, to seduce, and one of the translations literally means to wander or to be a spiritual vagabond. Now let me just tell you what I believe is one of the areas of deception in our culture today is where people say, you know, I don't need to go to church. I, you know, we, we just meet together and we have our little study together. And yet the scriptures actually teach us differently. It says to obey your spiritual leaders which are over you in the Lord. For they watch over your soul that they might do with joy. The Bible even says later in Hebrews, it says, submit to your spiritual leaders. Come on. And so people say, well, I don't need anybody. You know, I just, you know, we pray and we give and we still serve God and we just have our merry time together. Well, how many of that sounds really good? But who's the one that's going to get in your face? Who's the one that's going to be preaching the word? Who's the five-fold ministry gift that is given in your life that's going to bring you to the place of maturity in your life, that's going to correct you when you need to be corrected? Come on, church, so that you can grow up healthy. The Bible says God has set into the church apostles first and then secondary prophets and then evangelists, pastors, and teachers for what? The perfecting. What does that mean? The maturing of the saints for the work of the ministry so we all come into the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God that we no longer be tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine in the sliding craftiness of man. Come on now. So there's a safety. And then it goes on and speaks in 16 until we come into the fullness where every part is activated and every part is doing their part in the church world. 
So apparently, according to Christ, you have a part to play in this kingdom, and I have a part to play in this kingdom. And how many know we can make a difference better when we're together? Can you all say amen? So the enemy wants to pick off individuals by isolating them. He wants to disconnect them from vital relationships. He wants to connect them from their, uh, the people that nurtured them, the people that helped them, the people that poured into their life from the very, very beginning out there. So we see out there the word deceive also means to mislead by falsehood or to dissnare. Now what I've recognized is there are three forms that deception comes in. And the number one way of deception, okay, is where we deceive ourselves. And James writes a whole chapter on this. And James, he talks about looking into the mirror and seeing yourself and then walking away and making no difference. But he says not to just be hearers of the word, but what? Come on. Doers of the word. So if we're hearing the word of God and we're not applying what it is that we hear, then we actually set ourselves up for deception in our lives. And this is, the, this is the number one root issue in many, many believers today, okay? How many know that, that every one of us has been entrusted by God with a gift? It says, as every man, 1 Peter 4 says, as every man hath received the gift, that's a miraculous faculty, a miraculous endowment that God himself has imparted into your life. And it didn't say just me, it didn't say just Kathy, it says as every man hath received the gift, so let him minister the gift. So we understand something out here, the whole kingdom operates by the principle of serving. How many know God's entrusted something to us, and then we use that gift and serve? If you look in the Bible, David was in the field already, and I believe this, um, many individuals uh, look at him, why didn't his daddy bring him in? He brought all the other brothers, and, and because of their military background, their skill set and everything else, and I'm not, I'm not going to develop this whole aspect out there, but David speaks about, I was conceived in sin, and I'm not going to develop that whole thing out there, but is it possible that David might have been illegitimate, and God took him even from the hall of shame and brought him into his hall? of fame. Can you all say amen? And, and God put his stamp upon that man, although nobody else recognized it. The prophet came into town and recognized that there's another, there's somebody else that's not here amongst us. And he said, well, I got this son. He's out there in the field and he keepeth the sheep. So literally David was doing something when the call of God came to the prophet Samuel to zero in, amen? If you look at Elisha, he had the 12 yoke of oxen. He was a very prosperous man, and he was already doing something when the great prophet Elijah came and called him. I found out that when we're applying what it is that God has given us, sometimes we just don't. We end up in the gift that God's called us to flow in, but I found out that just put your hand to the plow and start serving in some aspect, some, some area of ministry, and then you'll see what well, God will connect that it in. See, when I got born again 41 years ago, I'll never forget that the, the, the leaders at the Catholic charismatic meeting that I was at, they said that they need somebody to help set up the book table. And I said, well, I got, you know, I'm, I was in much better shape than I am now. Come on. 41 years ago. And I said, I, I can do that. And then they said, I need ushers. You know, we need some people to help us catch people in the prayer lines. And I said, well, I can do that too, but I'm ADD. Apostolic, apostolic dysfunction disorder, amen. <laughs> and so, you know, my mind sometimes gets focused on something else, and I, I, I don't even know, and I remember dropping more people than we caught. 
And that's when I learned the only reason you got catchers in a prayer line is because of the fakes. We had this one woman, dear God, she fell down, and, and she was a very large woman, and when she fell down, it literally shook the, the gym floor. And I'm like, oh, God, forgive me, you know, because we dropped it. She just fell right between me and my cousin Jerry, amen? And when she hit the floor, man, it just, oh, my gosh, I said, her head's busted open. She's just, uh, and she gets up, and she's praising God that she got healed. She's praising God that she's totally restored. And it's like, oh, my God. Then I recognized right there and then the only reason you have catchers is because of the fakes. That went over so well, amen? And, and, and so I learned, but here's the thing. We learned that Jesus said the greatest in the kingdom is the servant of all. So we just took what we had and we just started serving. So I'd set up the book table. I'd set up all the chairs for, for, for the meeting that went on. They had a gymnasium that we rented over there on 10 Mile and Harper in St. Clair Shores. And the Bellew family was over there. I remember Mrs. Bellew used to be a part of it. So many friends that are even over here today for many years got saved and got touched over there at the Catholic Charismatic meeting. And I remember just serving and putting my hand to the plow in any way that I could. And you know what? Then all of a sudden, six months later, and, and, and God gave me an unsatiable hunger for the word of God. Within six months, they came to me. I wasn't looking for anything. They came to me and says, you know, we, we, we really feel that, that we want you to start preaching in, in, in this group. And I said, man, I, I can't preach. I don't know how to do any of that. See, prior to that, I was under the influence of alcohol. So I was very bold when I was under the influence of alcohol, but outside now, I was a pretty timid guy. Now they want me to do it. I said, I, I, I can't do that. And, and so they said, well, we really believe you're supposed to be speaking. You know, and, I, and these are the leaders. And I said, man, I, I can't do that. I, I don't know how to do that. They said, well, we really believe you're supposed to be speaking. And then God would bring prophetesses in and prophets in, and they'd say, uh, there's an apostolic call as the life of Moses, so it's going to be on you. And I was like, what are these people talking about? And so in six months, I started preaching the gospel, amen? Then they put me over the youth, and it started growing, and things started happening. But it didn't just start there. It was like, whatever I can do, God, I just want to serve. I already had God's acceptance. I already had God's favor. I already had God's forgiveness. So I wasn't trying to get more from God. But it's God, I just appreciate what you did for me, and I just want to show it in any way I can to serve you. Yeah. Amen. How about, how about this here this morning? How many people were supposed to be in policy training this morning? I wonder how many people we're supposed to be in for the new people to go in there just to go through so we can all be on the, on the same page. And I wonder how many people this morning I can provoke to love and to good works. Amen. What does that mean to you? What does that mean to me? I believe, number one, it means if somebody's holding something against somebody, I'm going to challenge them to forgive that one. But I also believe that we all should be given to good works. The Bible says, let your light so shine before men that they might see your good works and bring glory to my Father which is in heaven. The Bible says that we're to teach these things that the believers are to maintain good works. The Bible says in 1 Timothy 2 that you and I as leaders are to be examples of good works. Come on. So good works, listen, they don't save us. But how many know if we're saved, how many know our lives are accompanied by good works? especially in Pentecostal charismatic circles because we have the understanding that it's not our works that saved us, but how many know good works are corresponding actions to our life? So I just want to encourage every person, listen, listen, just get into 118 and you, you, you don't volunteer, you don't serve in any area, just get in there. Just, just go in there for the training in there. And you watch what you'll learn in there and understand the vision of what it is that we're trying to accomplish over here. That every one of us is going to win a soul, every one of us is going to pour our lives into a soul, and every one of us is going to be effective for the kingdom of God. Amen? So I learned out there, I learned out there, so if we hear the word, but we don't apply what it is that we heard, 
then we actually set ourselves up for deception in our lives. And see, that's what the scripture, when it says, beware lest the root of bitterness uh, go inside of us and it spring up whereby many are defiled by that root of bitterness. It didn't say a few, but it says many are defiled. So if we don't deal with that issue, we hear it, but we don't deal with it, then how many know we actually are setting ourselves up for deception? And then we have the attitude that, you know, we're, you know we know more. We know more than everyone else. I, I don't know about you, but I, I believe the best attitude, let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. Though he was God, he took on the form of a servant. How many can say amen to that? Amen. And he said, let the same attitude, the same mindset, the same way that he thought, let that be the attitude in you. The Bible teaches us to love our enemies, okay, to do good to those that lie about us to those that persecute us. When we don't, when we don't, then how many know we're aborting the kingdom rules? And we're being, and, and that's where we set ourselves up for deception. For you that have been in this church any amount of time, you know that this is something we practice when they take full page ads out about us in the paper. Our people go on their radio programs and, and, and they lie about us and say all kinds of stuff about us. We've heard everything from new dancing on Wednesday nights to tabletop dancing. We've had every kind of stuff that's set in. And people are hearing all this stuff in the community that goes on at the church and it's like, wow. One of my friends actually checked it all out and found out. Uh, he said, where did you hear that from? I know Rick. He said, well, I heard it from so-and-so and they're a reliable witness. And then he called this one. And then he called the next one. He called the next one. Called the next one. After 40-some people, he found out that I taught on Wednesday night a message about being naked before God. <laughs> By the time we got to 44 people, it was new dancing on Wednesday night. But you know what? God brought, God brought them all out, man. People came out from all over the community to come in to see the new dancing. And then they heard the word of God. And some of you are amongst them. You're delivered and saved today. So how many can say God's got a sense of humor? And so the Bible said we're blessed. And so when somebody lays up a big reward for me in heaven, I just got to go tell them thank you. So we always send them an offering. There's a saying that goes on in the city, speak against WCF, talk against them, go to the pulpit on Sunday morning, and they'll send you $1,000. <laughs> Amen. Blessed are you. Amen. So anyway, so he's called the tempter. And then the second thing he's called is deceiver. So we deceive ourselves by hearing the word and not doing it. We also have to understand the enemy is a deceiver. And he will take biblical truths and he will put a spin on the biblical truths to try to twist them to bring us into our own hurts. And I've watched this over the year, people that had a fire for God, people that were passionate for God, people that loved God, and then they got a twist in there and the enemy got a doctrine in there, got a teaching in there, went to extremes. Because how many know he doesn't want you to be balanced in this respect, he wants to take you out. Come on. And then he wants to isolate you, and he wants you to feel that you have all the revelation, you have all the understanding. And when he does that, he seeds that into you so that the enemy can deceive you. The Bible says, beware lest Satan comes, the Bible says, as an angel of light. He comes as a messenger of light. And so are his ministers. So there's actually ministers out there that actually come as light bearers, as ministers of light, but actually they're instruments of the enemy that's out there. And listen, listen, when, it, when the kingdom becomes about me or the kingdom becomes about you and it becomes not about him, when we take the gospel of the cross of Jesus out today, then we've been deceived. There's another gospel that has come in. See, if it's really the gospel of Jesus, just think about this. Kathy preaches this much better than I do. It says, because of the, he said, God forbid 
if I preach but the cross of Christ because by it, my interest of this world is dead. And when you see the thrust and the, and the motivation of believers today is all about this world and what I can get out of this world and not about Christ and what he's done for us. And I believe in prosperity. Come on, church. I believe there's much more that God has for all of us, but it's with the purpose he blesses us so that we can be a blessing for others. Amen. Does he want you to have nice things? No question about it. But listen, the driving factor is because we live a Christ-centered life today. And the first, the first qualification for biblical discipleship, if any man wants to be my disciple, let him first pick up his cross, deny himself, pick up his cross, come follow me. How many know we're not even disciples if we're not even putting ourselves as second? That's why Scripture says esteem one another more highly. So we got number one. Everybody look at somebody and tell them, watch the tempter. Tell them, number two, watch the deceiver. And then number three is the accuser of the brethren. Those are the three major forms that the enemy wants to seed his lies into your life. And so the accuser operates this here way, that you're inferior. You'll never be good enough. You're just, you're just bad. You know, your family's bad. Your, 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 your life is bad. Your past is bad. And people, God can never use you. Well, how many know God takes the nobodies of the day and makes them a somebody because of the cross? Amen? And that's why I love to share about Rahab, who was uh, working for the escorts of the day, and, and she's one of the only women that's in God's heroes of faith in the new. Can you say amen? So he took her out of the hall of shame and brought him into the hall of fame. You know, we speak about the great faith of Abraham. Abraham really didn't get into the place of great faith if you want to term it until he was 99. So 24 years he made the Middle Eastern problem that we have today. He caused so many problems out there. I mean, so many things he did to even hurt his wife, and we're not going to go in that. But, but the development of the whole thing, how many know when he was 99 years of age, the El Shaddai came down and said, it's you and Sarah going to have this promised child. And how many know he began at that time to call the things that be not as though they already are? So the third area is the accuser. But here's the thing I've learned about God. God is not the one that taunts you about your past. And, and, and listen, when there's been a truly hard conversion and a change and you've came to God and you repented of your sins and you know that sin's power and sin's dominion is broken over your life, you're a new creation, you look at people from different eyes. You don't see them the same way. I never heard a message about it. Never heard a sermon on it. But I can tell you, when God came into my life, I saw people from a different way than I saw them prior to that. I started seeing life differently than I had saw it before because I was born again. And when the enemy wanted to bring stuff, and, and I'm not proud in any way of my past, I'm very ashamed of some of the things and attitudes and mindsets that I had in my past. But I recognize that God says, though my sins were stained, and if there's a stain, how many know it's deep? It got into the very fabric. Though your sins be stained as scarlet, God says, I'm going to make them white as snow. And so when the accuser wants to bring your past, guys, you can't change your past. You can't change the mistakes. You can't unscramble eggs. You just can't do it. Come on. But the reality is you can build a new future starting today. And you can go in the right direction with God's goodness and God's forgiveness and taste and see that he is good, amen? So here's the thing. The enemy comes and he rings the doorbell of your heart and he opens it up and he wants you to take a good and the drama team's gonna operate on the, the tempter, the deceiver, and the accuser and just watch closely as they do.
Someone's knocking at the door. Somebody's ringing the bell. Someone's knocking at the door. Somebody's ringing the bell. Do me a favor. Open the door and let him in. Hey, Betty. Hey. I've got great news. Carolyn got the job. Oh. I just bumped into her at the bus stop, and she is so excited. Well, she just moved here last month. I am sure that she doesn't know very many people. Right. We prayed for her, you know, and... God answered her prayer. So quickly? I don't think so. What's gotten into you? Why are you so critical? I thought you would be happy for her. Happy for her? I hardly even know her. Hey, Miss Baker. Hi, Paige. Here's your paper. Thank you. Speedy delivery. Thank you. Uh, could be better. Hey, Paige. Um, aren't you supposed to uh, deliver Mrs. Baker's paper to her door? Yeah, well, I saw her walking up the driveway, so I figured I could just deliver it to in person. legalistic. I, it is just fine that she delivered it to me here. You better get going to school. You're going to miss your bus. Sure, but you need to pick me up at four. Another detention? Are you kidding me? It wasn't my fault. Oh. Bye, Miss Baker. Bye, Paige. You see, this is a problem. This is what happens when you think you know everything. This is what happens when you don't I am so confused. Where are you right now? Nowhere. What is it? <laughs> Speedy delivery. Not well educated, my choice. 
Honey, uh, can you iron this shirt for me, please? Well, like... You're not going to answer that, are you? You know you don't have to. Uh, honey, you know, time, like, uh, I, you know, gotta go. If you keep accepting the enemy's lies, you will only see what he wants you to see. Don't let him project his image on you. Your true image is in Christ. Don't be so hard on yourself. You are not your past, and you are not a disappointment. Not gonna iron it so. Delivery. Not today, Satan. Get out. I am not my past. Because the old Betty is dead. Tempter comes against your mind as well as my mind. Tempts us to hang with the wrong people. Tempts us to go to the wrong places. Tempts us to do the wrong things. And we just don't stand against it. We just yield into it because we want to fit into that crowd. We want to fit in. How many know we're deceived? And how many know whenever he wants to just keep bringing up your past, have you ever wondered why he wants to bring up your past? Because he's the father of lies. And he's telling you like it's present tense in your life today. But God said, though your sins were stained as scarlet, he's made them white as snow. You have an advocate with the Father. Never forget it. Jesus Christ, the righteous one. But the last one is, man, when he brings in that deception, wants you to isolate, wants to disconnect you, wants to disconnect you in your home, from your family, from your children, from your friends, you can rest assured that's not God. Can you say amen? amen? Amen. Let's all stand to our feet as we break bread together. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Wow. For those that are here, and I, I'm just sensing a bit that you just ice, and it's been a pattern that's gone on in your life, and this isn't just in a week or it hasn't been in a month, but... It's kind of like the enemy zeroed in and, and just pushing you away and trying to isolate your life, trying to push you out, just to push you out. And then you become more of a spectator than a participant. And there's others that you've just let down your armor. 
You've let down gratitude. You've let down movement is part of the armor that God has, part of your spiritual weapons. You've let down even in the Word of God, and I'm not speaking of it from a legalistic standpoint. That's not what this is all about. You've let down in your intercession. You've let down in your prayer. You've let down the hedge. And there's no longer an aggressiveness in your walk with God, an aggressive part of your life. See, as much as he's the lamb inside of us in that nature of kindness and mercy and goodness, but he's also a lion that wants you to rise up with lion-like courage against and resist the enemy in his accusations and temptations and pulls and ensnarements that he has for your life. And the number one way he does it, he just begins to isolate you, pull away. So if that's you, I, I'm not going to call you to the front. I really don't want to do that. But if that's you in those two areas, just raise your hand right now. We're going to pray. And you just feel he's tried to pull you away. Just wave your hand at me. I see those hands all over the room, all over. Just remember what they just did. Shut the door to him. Throw those goods back at him. When he says you don't belong, just say, I fit perfectly. Amen. I'll tell you, you're a perfect fit in the hand of God today. He didn't make a mistake when he made you. He didn't invest everything into you without an expectation inside of your life. And remember, what God started in you wasn't a bad work. It was a good work. But get back on track. Start connecting once again. And as you reconnect, you watch and see what God will do by his abundant grace inside of your life. So, Father, we thank you for the body of Christ. We thank you that we are one body here. And you said, Father God, that we are to honor the body of Christ. And so, Father, if there's been any dishonor in word, any dishonor in actions or deeds, one towards another, whether it's in words that are spoken, actions that have been released from an attitude that's brought out, however it got in, we're not as concerned as about getting it out of our lives now. And you said even when that dishonor was there in 1 Corinthians 11, you said that many were sick and many were weak. And many even died prematurely because they did not honor or discern the Lord's body. So I thank you, Father God, today for the least in the house. I thank you for the greatest in the house. But I thank you that we're all a part of the body of Christ in Jesus. And Father, as we break this bread today, may there be a divine release today in every heart, every emotion, every nerve, every body of the wholeness of Christ that is brokenness paid. All the fragmented parts of our lives are now made whole through the cross of Jesus. Let us partake of the bread together. Thank you, Dad. Thank you, Dad. And Father, as last time we were together, we learned about the power of the blood, the protection of the blood, the hedge of the blood. And just as they applied it over Rahab's house, they applied it over the Passover. As they applied that blood, so we apply it over our minds. We apply it over our emotions. We apply it over our bodies and our thoughts. We apply it over our homes and entry places. We apply it over our vehicles. We apply it over the marriages and families represented here, over every one of our precious singles. We apply the precious blood of Jesus. We apply it over the children and over the teenagers. And we thank you, Father God, we're raising up 
a godly generation that will walk in the right ways of God, that will have a passion for your presence in such a way that they would be known for it in the days to come. Father, we partake of this cup now of all the residue of the old. It's all gone and washed in the blood, and we've been made new. Let us partake together. We appreciate you coming today and have the best day of your life. Service is officially dismissed.